All right, welcome to episode four. This is Brickyard Composition brought to you by Dave Allen and Richard Gabriel. conversation about how people uh, think their kid could do that, we uh, stumbled upon the idea of um, art versus craft. Is there a difference? How do we define art? How do we define craft? Are they one in the same thing? Is one on a higher level than the other? Um, so I think we're going to explore those issues today. All right, arts and crafts. Okay, I guess then should let's should we start by defining art? Um, <laughs> actually, I feel like uh, that you just combined them into an arts and crafts comment, uh, <laughs> kicking off the episode. <laughs> uh, it immediately reminded me of the arts and crafts movement. Yeah. Uh, which was a response to the Industrial Revolution. And I feel like that could actually be like a, a great um, point of departure for us because uh, the arts and crafts movement uh, responding to the increased quantity of goods, right, on the factory yeah. line, machine-made goods, called into question what art is and, and the role that craft can play in society. Um, so, I mean, are you familiar with the arts and crafts yeah. movement at so, all? Do you have any? So was it more that since things were more commercially available than the question of like bespoke objects, like are they worth it? Is it a point you're talking about that or? Um, well, yeah, there's that. And the idea that high quality crafts in a society actually like embody cultural values and you know there's sort of like a narrative uh and and just like the artist leaving their spiritual imprint on a handmade object versus sort of the soulless machine made stuff that that were all over the place you know and yeah you know i i when i read about that i definitely admire those artists um I know John Ruskin was a big proponent of the arts and crafts movement. William Morris, I, I don't know, have you heard of William Morris? I'm not sure. Um, yeah, Sounds William good. Morris, he did the Red House. Um, yeah, Google him. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he was like the leader of the arts and crafts movement. And so they went back to like hand-painted wallpaper, lots of patterns inspired by nature, floral elements, animals. Um, it was almost like reverting back to the Middle Ages where they encouraged traditional techniques, um, traditional materials, collaborating on larger projects, uh, having workshops, uh, you know, of course, an emphasis on handmade products. Um, and that was really a response to the lower quality products that, you know, were on the market thanks to factories and, and, and machines. So um, 
you know, when you see what those artists were doing with the handmade goods, it's it's hard to distinguish between craft and art. I mean, when so much thought goes into it. Was so so that's a thing. I I like to distinguish between like artistic media and craft mm -hmm. because I think either can be art and both can not be art if that makes sense like so I always thought of it in terms of craft is anything that has a practical utility right okay. like so this is how I've always thought and I don't know where I got this notion other than maybe in my head so someone might listen and go well that's not how any book defines it and I'll be like well it's how I define it but I'll at least explain how I think of it I've come to think of it as craft is anything that has utility, right? So you talk about house or, you know, like these handmade things, a lot of them, it's it has furniture. utility. Yeah, furniture has utility, right? So that's, I think of that as craft or like a bowl, right? Like that's what I think of as craft. And I think of artistic medium is any kind of thing that doesn't have immediate utility, but we do it anyway, right? Like paint, like a painting, there's not, you there's not utility in that traditional sense right sure. unless you talk about like mental health and staring at something but i mean like there's nothing to use it for that's concrete and that's how i differentiate yeah. between the two personally so it's interesting you should say that because i think then either can be used to make art right i don't think everything that's artistic media is art right every every photograph is artistic media right it's a photograph doesn't necessarily have immediate utility i mean unless you're like a spy but like or you know what 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 if let's just say yeah. you know playing devil's advocate here scientific illustration yeah you know at a certain point you know we relied on guys like audubon yeah. to illustrate birds and plants and in, in, in the wild and then the camera explodes on the scene and, yeah. and you know as they become more accessible um they begin to replace artists in their you know in how objective mm -hmm. they are so would you say that maybe to use a camera to document something scientifically and use it objectively is the craft side of photography yeah, I guess I didn't really think about it. I maybe had too much of a black and white, like this falls into craft, this falls into artistic media, but I think you're right, right? There's, there is a craft side and, and it still falls in line with that initial definition, which I sort of like, like if you're using it, if there's utility there, yeah, yeah, it's thought of as craft. And if there's utility there, that's when technical acumen is the most important. So we talk about someone being good at their craft you can actually now sort of judge what it means to be good because there's an objective measure of how well you operate the camera, say, to represent this or sure. technical illustration, right? There's very much like, is the, the are these proportions correct, right? But you're not going to look at like a, a cubist drawing and go, well, these proportions aren't correct, so it's bad, right? Like they're, So yeah, maybe right. that's exactly it. So, it, which doesn't go against my definition, but just clarifies it better maybe. Because there's a craft side of everything, or or things can be used sort of as craft, but they can also be used as artistic media, right? Yeah, so, yeah, and I'm sure that some of the conceptual art that you know we've discussed, like Marcel Duchamp's ready-mades, that it, you know, it, in finding a ready-made, there isn't much craft. Yeah, 
in the production of that object, like the urinal, yeah, there was a craftsman that designed it and 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 created that object. But the artist, by finding it or choosing it, necess didn't necessarily exercise uh, any mastery of a technique. But they did express an idea. Actually, it makes me think of, do you know uh, Oppenheim? Um... The surrealist who did uh was it called fur breakfast Do you know oh this? the yes i've seen that the, furry the, the spoon. yeah the furry spoon and yeah. the cup it makes yeah. me sort of think of that right because you can start it works in sort of the opposite way of your point about you know illustration or photography being used as craft right you can have something where we think of spoons and uh teacups as having utility but it's created to be furry in a way that it strips of utility, right? So then it's something like it's a construction where now it's an artistic medium. You've yeah, it's kind of in a class of its own. You've removed yeah. it from being a simple bowl and spoon. You, know, you yeah. can't use it the way that you ordinarily would yeah. use a bowl and spoon. So, so it now it's just there to be viewed and contemplated. Yeah, so then now it's artistic media, even though I would normally say, like, spoon creation falls into the realm of craft, right? And before this conversation, I may have just said, like, well, you, for example, people make spoons, they're doing craft, but you make a spoon out of fur, it's probably artistic media, it doesn't have immediate utility. So it sure. really is down to, it's not even down to the actual physical material or anything, it really, or the the object or the skill per se, but it's really a function of the product itself. I mean, I still like looking at utility. I think the, the, the grayest area with this definition would be architecture. Yeah. Because some of these structures required an amazing amount of attention uh, to detail and design uh, and they may even be symbolic, but they also serve a utilitarian purpose. So I think I'd, I, I have always thought about it in terms of uh, utility and does this object serve a purpose and, and art objects don't serve those same utilitarian purposes. Uh, but then there's architecture. Architecture is just a very gray area, I feel like. Yeah, no, I mean, but... Again, I sort of, there is, that's what I'm saying is, like, I like to define art, not artistic medium, but now art as, like I said, philosophy by other means. And I say this mm -hmm. is probably every episode. But if you, if you are, this speaks to the sort of non-utility, immediate utility too. It's more thought behind it, right? Which yeah. can be in architecture. So now we're talking about, like, which answers the question is there like an intersection between art and craft? And I think I get, there is, right? There has to be because you can do, you're talking about like wallpaper as part of the arts and crafts movement, right? Wallpaper yeah. has no utility. It's something to look at, right? But it's part of this structure that does and a wall does, right? So there yeah. are obviously all these sort of gray areas where no, you are making a statement something maybe philosophical with a philosophical underpinning through something that also has utility which okay. makes it art and that's how i would put it right is it art well is there a philosophical underpinning 
you know, in, in addition to that utility. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And I guess, you know, what it makes me think is, is that's almost how you determine, uh, you know, which architects are verging on, on, on artists level, basically. Yeah. I mean, if, if you simply craft a house, yeah, you can live in it. It shelters you from the elements, but it may not inspire any sort of deeper thinking or, or symbolic value, but yeah. You know, you can imbue each of those elements, whether it's the walls, the windows, the ceilings, you know, whatever it happens to be with something greater. Right. Yeah. It makes me think of the distill movement a little and the architecture that was part of the distill movement. Uh huh. Getting back to Mondrian. Or <laughs> um, but I, the, I guess as part of the distill movement and the architecture in line with that. I like the fact that I guess uh, that's where moving walls became really popular. Like you could have a open up a space or close it off, right? Like you could change the space to suit um, to suit your needs. Mm -hmm. But it was also something philosophical, and I'm I'm probably reading too much into it. But I think I mentioned before, Mondrian used to paint over lines and paint over and move lines until he was happy with it. Yeah, and he's you know part of the distill movement, and it's so it's interesting to me that that movement made houses where literally the lines of the house could move <laughs> right maybe i'm like reading into right, it too much. yeah but the there barriers, is like the walls yeah, yeah and so it feels like there's this philosophical idea that sort of still underpins that movement which yeah like you said sort of gives me the idea no that architecture is converging more on art and an expression of like fundamentals not just immediate utility maybe yeah 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 so. yeah one architect that comes to mind is Gaudi, you know, oh, yeah. like Gaudi, they're amazing spaces. They serve their yeah. purpose, but they go so far beyond that. Yeah, they go very far beyond. I mean, bordering on Gaudi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so ornate. Dave. I'm not a big Gaudi fan. I'll be honest. I mean, I've seen a lot of his stuff. I've been to Barcelona a ton. Oh, you saw his work in Barcelona? Yeah, I've been to because Bar I live not far from Barcelona. Right, so I've right. I've been right. to Barcelona three or four times. Yeah, and I've How seen a lot. How far are of you stuff. from Barcelona? As the crow flies, not far at all. But the problem is we have the mountains in between, so ah. it takes it takes like three hours maybe. It's still not super far. Like a three hour three hour drive or something, because you. Yeah, it's not bad, um, and sort of it's sort of a nice place. It's funny because a lot of people from Toulouse, the city near me, will go to Barcelona in the summer, and then a lot of people from Spain will come to Toulouse or Barcelona. So in the summer, all of a sudden you're hearing tons of Spanish in Toulouse in France, and then if you go visit Barcelona, all of a sudden you hear a bunch of French <laughs> because yeah, everyone yeah. like everyone from Barcelona goes to Toulouse, everyone from Toulouse goes to Barcelona. But yeah, anyway, no. It's an interesting point, though, because um, Gaudi is like someone who just did ornate things like as an artistic um, like expression that obviously serve no utility whatsoever. Yeah. You know, like not even like, oh, there's utility and art in this element. No, it's just like an artistic element. Like there's no utility. So he's probably a pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely.
Um, so art in your mind is an object that uh, sort of transcends utility. Yeah, I mean, it can have utility, but what makes it art in my mind is philosophy and ideas that um, that uh, generate the aesthetic on some level, right? Um, and that's why I like saying philosophy by other means, you know, and those means can be a bunch of different things, right? You can make art out of sound where it's not necessarily a visual thing, right? You can make it weird stares to make someone think about like the instability in their life right because these stairs mm -hmm. are all slightly different apart and maybe it's stairs in the house and it has utility but there's like if there's this idea behind it you know that's yeah that's how i define capital a art so there's a lot of artistic media like painting where you'll see a painting and you don't think there's anything behind it and if it's there mm -hmm. you can't tell and so i wouldn't call that art per se, I just call it artistic media. Maybe I like it, maybe I enjoy looking at it, but it's uh, like Kandinsky, what he would call it like art that at best resembles a stillborn child. <laughs> so it <laughs> that's in his concerning the spiritual and art. It's this little book he wrote, which yeah, is really yeah, interesting yeah. about all his philosophy and thought process behind right. abstract imagery, which is a great read if for no other reason than realizing you can have really deep thought and philosophy behind complete abstraction. It's interesting how he saw stuff. And it shows that there's consistency. It's not just his whims, like how he views the triangle. And um, yeah, anyway, breaking it up he into sections. that certain colors were symbolic too, yeah. right? Like colors had meaning yeah. and shapes, right? Yeah. You're talking like about triangles. Heavenly and like blue is more earthly. Like he had... Yeah, and divisions of the triangle, like he he thought of, he liked to divide triangles into thirds, and the pointy part of the triangle meant one thing, the wide part means something else, and I forget mm -hmm. exactly um, his breakdown. But yeah, it's really interesting just to, if for no other reason, realize he had all this idea behind it. And he said, um, efforts to revive art principles of, of the past will result in works that at best resemble a stillborn child, I think, in that book. Wait, what was that? Effort, I, I might be misquoting it. I'm not looking it up. But it's something like, efforts to revive art principles of the past yeah, will yeah. result in works that resemble a stillborn child. Right. That's what I thought it was. It was, it was something along uh -huh. the lines of, like, copying the past or, or yeah. you know, repeating the past is, is yeah. dead. Basically. Yeah, but I was just sort of extending that because it, you see stuff where you're like, this is sort of empty thought-wise, right? It's stillborn child, and that's a pretty harsh way of putting it, but like, that's why I like to think about it, right? Like, if you're just repeating something, there isn't philosophy behind it. There isn't thought behind it, right? It's just, it's like rote memorization, you know, you're just, um, and yeah, so that's how I think about art. It, um, overall and so yeah you can have things that are utility or craft mm -hmm. or things that you think of as craft like break into art completely or maybe is 50 50 you're talking about like architecture is a good example um then the the furry spoon and cup you know it's like an example of something you might think of as craft initially but like yeah um yeah so like with kandinsky 
he was a deeply spiritual artist. He was um, into the esoteric. He was into mysticism. He often was working with ideas of um, like universal concepts and the deluge and creation and and polarities and metamorphosis and and all of these different issues that he was trying to to work through in his abstract art. Um, whereas some people who might not be familiar with what he's he said and and what he's written would say, "Oh, that's a pretty picture. I like those colors. I like those lines." Um, and he would potentially, you know, obviously, I you know, I can't talk to Kandinsky about this, but. Um, someone completely missing the deeper meaning of his work may not have made him very happy, you know? And so yeah. for me, it brings uh, to mind the, the difference between art for art's sake and uh, art with a moral to the, the story or a deeper meaning to the picture. Because um, with Kandinsky, there's a deeper meaning to the picture, although it may not be immediately apparent, you know? It's it's very hard to, I think, access the deeper meaning of his work, not knowing what he said or written on on the subject. But um, there are artists like Whistler who are outstanding painters, and they're part of the art for art's sake movement, where simply <clears throat> making something that's pretty to look at and like appealing to the senses is enough for them you know they felt like that that was enough and there have been lots of debate over that um, guys who were supporting the arts and crafts movement like john ruskin as we know have attacked artists like 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 whistler you yeah know, they saw their work as uh you know degenerate they're just sort of throwing a pot of paint at the canvas yeah. you know and and they didn't understand um where they were coming from do you see a difference between art for art's sake those artists who uh, are content with making a, a, an aesthetically pre pleasing artwork or um to be an artist do you have to have a deeper concept and express some kind of of profound meaning yeah i mean for me i the concept has to be there and that's how I've chosen to define art. And if you hate that, then I'd say, well, maybe we should talk about definitions, right? Because you know, without getting into a semantic argument, like that's sort of quite fundamentally how I've chosen to define art is, you know, like I said, philosophy or meaning by other means, you know, other than using words. So the art for art's sake, I'm not a big fan of as far as art. I think it's, I would call it, that's why I'd say it's artistic media, right? Like, uh-huh. It's, it doesn't have utility, immediate utility. It's artistic media. That's why I like that definition. Okay, it's something that doesn't have uh, immediate utility, but that we feel driven to do. So I'd say, okay, this is artistic media, but is it art? According to my definition, no. And I'm pretty sensitive to this because this is pretty big in photography, right? So I'm a photographer. Mm -hmm. And a lot of photography is a sort of echo chamber of things that people think are pretty, right? It's like photography for photography's sake, right? It's the same sort of thing. And I do that too, right? Like I'm not 
saying it's against it, but I when I do those kinds of photos, oh, I think this is pretty or this is cool. I don't consider them art, right? I consider myself an artist, but there are photos I take, which I'm like, well, that's not art. That's just artistic media or that's a pretty photo. And that's okay. But how I'm choosing to define art, I wouldn't say it's art, right? And so if someone's saying like, oh, hey, Dave, we want to do an exhibition of your stuff. If I'm not necessarily going to exhibit those images, even if a lot of people really like them, if there's not something behind it, because for me, just to sort of remain consistent. So, so yeah, I mean, I'd say it's not really art. I'd say it's um, possibly good artistic media, but not like huh. it's a good. So you're uh, you're introducing a third category here. Mm -hmm. Artistic yeah. media. Artistic media, right? Like painting is artistic me is an artistic medium, right? So it's a painting. It's an artistic medium, and maybe it's very well executed. It's very pretty. Um, is it art? Mm, no, In my, okay. not according okay. to my definition. Yeah. Okay, because they they simply have the craft mastered. Yeah. They don't have a concept. Or the technique mastered, yeah. So like, okay. So it okay. could be vapid, like, yeah. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. That's how I, I never mean, thought how... about this third category. <laughs> I I sort of started calling doing this just because I, you know, with photography, I sort of had to. People ask me about it, and you sound really snobbish when you're like, "That's not art. I don't see that as art." And then people <laughs> are like, "Well." Screw you. And I'm like, no, I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just trying to like have honest definitions and think about what is art, right? Because it works both ways too. People get confused about what art is because people push the boundaries of how they uh -huh. present artwork, right? And we talk about like multimedia art and sound art and, you know, just things that are really out there. And so that's why I like my definition because it helps transcend the medium too, right? Like, uh -huh. no, if you're using non-traditional means to, to promote a philosophy, that's art. I'm not saying it's good art, but that's what I'm calling art, yeah. But okay. then all of a sudden, yeah, you need a definition for all these things that we've been calling art. <laughs> well, it's a painting, so it's art, right? Paintings are art. Well, guess, no. <laughs> Yeah, it's not simply a craft because it doesn't serve a utilitarian purpose. purpose. Yeah. So it's in this sort of twilight realm of art artistic, artistic media. media. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's how I've chosen to go with I it. I feel like <laughs> there are going to be lots of master's degrees in artistic media in the near future. <laughs> yeah, just the people listening to this podcast. This is, you heard it here, right? So in 50 years from now, they're going to point to this podcast like, so yep. there was a huge shift in philosophy when some some dude who's, some photographer uh, decided to change every definition around <laughs> based on his whims and no actual reading or scholarly information, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, yeah, I mean... But it's so funny. Do you it's... have any artists who are uh, maybe craftsmen, but elevate their craft to a, an artistic degree, or I like? Yeah, I. So I was thinking about this 
uh, we're talking, and I was thinking about uh, this artist I like, Oren Pinhasi, and he's uh-huh. a current artist. And uh, he does, like, especially some of his early stuff was, I think he did all of, he did a lot of woodwork and he did it all himself. So it's not even like he's taking ready-made elements. Like, you'll see things that look like tables or rooms. Yeah. And he's using good techniques that you would use to make really good tables, but he, he'd do a lot of, it's almost like postmodernist architecture, right? Like, sort of beautiful, modern-looking architecture designs, but that can't be really used or it's out of context. Yeah. Um, and so I really like that. Like, you know, it's almost like sometimes feels like he's turning a table and a room inside out, you know. It, and so he there's that craft there where he's actually using the techniques that you would use to make a really good, say, table or work with wood or these different elements really well. But he's yeah. doing it in a way that... Um, is stripping it of its useful context. Huh. Um, like, and I know he has, uh, there's a piece he has called The Contagious Bride. How did um, you discover this artist? I actually, um, I discovered him because I was writing about him when I was doing art writing. Yeah. Oh, so, okay. so I did some ghost writing about him. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really liked it. Probably of all the artists I had to write about while I was doing mm-hmm. that. He's probably the one that I liked the most. I really thought it was interesting what he was doing. And I think it was largely that. He's definitely a guy who has mastered his craft. And like the elements in his installations and sculptures, he makes them. So the Contagious Bride, you know, it's made of wood and and like glass. And it's got these sandbags in it. And I think if I recall correctly, he actually sewed every sandbag himself. Right? He made all the elements. And you're like... That goes that arts and crafts movement. There's no utility in it. So it is 100% art, but he's using technique, I'd say, from craft in a super awesome way. Yeah. So he's like on this end of the spectrum where there's almost no utility, but he's using technique that's sort of born from craft. Oh, so okay. Maybe you wouldn't call it craft, but it's almost like yeah. he's using technique born from craft. So he's on like this sort of extreme other end of an art... Um, of maybe an architect where an architect is making something that's primarily functional, but maybe uh-huh. imbuing it with art and philosophy, right? Whereas he's yeah. imbuing it with the technique from craft. So yeah, Oren, Oren Benhasi, we'll, we'll put his uh, website in the show notes because I think it's stuff's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, that is interesting because it makes me think of a very different kind of artist who... Um, he wasn't stripping craft of his utility, but um, are you familiar with George Nakashima? No. Yeah, I guess, I don't know if I can message this to you really quick or you can Google him. But he is a Japanese woodworker who, I think he started out in the Pacific Northwest and he ended up in Bucks County, actually, here in Pennsylvania. And... Uh, he was good friends with Mars Graves and a lot of other artists. His woodwork is remarkable. Uh, I have to say, um, I know some people who own tables and chairs by him, desks, things like that. And they're the most comfortable pieces of furniture in their possession. Like it, they're a pleasure to sit in and use functionally. Uh, but, 
Uh, the design is beautiful, and his philosophy was um, to not overwork the materials. So what he was trying to do as an artist was to bring out the spirit of the wood. So he, he spent a lot of time looking for lumber. He was looking for trees. He was looking for mm. certain slabs of wood. He had an enormous collection of, of wood. And then uh, as he constructed his, his furniture, he was only working the material enough to shape it into uh, a table or a chair or a dresser or whatever it has while bringing out the natural beauty of the material. And for me, there is something very philosophical yeah. about that, um, especially in response to the Industrial Revolution and man's ability to significantly mar the environment around him, where I, I feel like in every work by Nakashima, we're reminded that we need to tread lightly and 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 yes we're here to uh manipulate our environments and control our destiny but try to do it in a way where you're only modifying your environment as much as you need to you know like trying yeah. to find that middle path if that makes sense you know, it makes sense, yeah. And then it makes me think about, like, futurism and the other side of the Industrial Revolution, like, embracing it, right? Oh, because, that's crazy stuff. I mean, those guys yeah. were, like, fascists, and they yeah. believed war would, like, eliminate the weak. And I yeah. mean, those guys were nuts. I mean, they, some of their artwork <laughs> is kind of cool, but, like, philosophically, those guys were off the wall. Yeah, but it was still philosophically based. It was definitely, like, re art you know, like how I've defined it in the sense that there was definitely a thought process behind it. Yeah, It's yeah. just funny because, it, of course, it just I just looked up his tables and they're amazing. And it's just the opposite of futurism, right? Yeah. Like it's yeah, like definitely. the definitely. the polar opposite of futurism philosophically. And right. uh, which is which is really which is really interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I mean, I guess we in the end, you fall into this pit trap of semantic arguments which are really easy to fall into um and which is well you could define art and craft however you want or you could say they're one and the same right and so i think in areas like this it's just more important that we are honest about how we're defining it so when we're talking with someone else as long as we're on the same page of how we're using the words yeah then we can have like good discussion about what people are creating how they're creating it and what it means to us um, and so I guess that's also a takeaway for me, and that's the mathematician coming back out is the definition is very important that we both understand they're operating off the same definition. So if someone's listening to this is like, Dave, I hate all your definitions. They're stupid. I'm like, OK, that's fine. So if you want to have a discussion with me, either propose new ones and I'll work with yours or, you know, condescend to work with mine anyway, you know, like. Um, but it's good to have these definitions and to think about it because I think it shapes how we make art too, right? If we know how we're defining these things, um, you know, it's going to help guide what we end up doing and making. And yeah. Sure, sure. So it seems like 
in conclusion, we have three categories. We have art, we yeah. have artistic media, and we have craft. Craft. And they're, but, they're kind of fluid, right? Yeah, they can overlap. You can have artistic media that's art. You could have craft that's art. You could have artistic media that's not art, not craft, yeah. Yeah. Would it just, well, it would be just craft then, right? Would art if if an artistic media like you're using painting or photography, but you you don't have a concept driving it, then no, because there's just not necessarily right. No, because it's not necessarily useful, right? Because I was saying ah, I was calling craft utility, okay. right? So I think of like artistic media and craft as sort of these base categories, and then. From those, whether or not it's art has to do with the philosophy behind it. And obviously, there can be things that are neither artistic media, traditional media, you know, like a traditional artistic medium, nor traditional craft that we could do for art, right? And that's where we get into like art cinema and, you know, propaganda and stuff. Propaganda. Is, <laughs> is propaganda utilitarian? Propaganda. <laughs> I, I guess it is. So There's propaganda craft, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> loose, loose lips. Yeah, and guys, shifts. you you should uh, be wary of uh, student loans and pursue a degree in propaganda. <laughs> I think actually propaganda is the perfect intersection. There's philosophy behind it, even if it's <laughs> nefarious, right? Like, there's an artistic element and craft. It so. So basically, the it's ultimate art medium. form is propaganda. There you go. That's that's the <laughs> conclusion. If you want to be the purest artist possible, and you know, be the master of all these domains, create propaganda. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so so this has been uh, Richard and Dave with Brickyard Composition. <laughs>